Okay, so we are making our way through Unit 8 of God's Economics. Unit 8 is Ministry and Money. And we're up to point G. We're talking about false teachers and how they prey on the vulnerable as an opportunity for their own selfish gain. But today, we're going to look at a book, um, some passages from writings that are not in the Bible. It's called the Didache. Now, the Didache was written in the first century, and it is a written record of the teachings of the 12 apostles. So the apostles that walked with Jesus, lived with Jesus when Jesus was here in the flesh, and then Jesus ascended into heaven after his death and resurrection and sent his apostles out into the world along with all of his disciples out into the world. Well, the apostles had ways that they trained people to do things God's way, and and the sections that were going to highlight fit in with God's economics because there are several passages in the Didache where they're giving insight about how to discern a true teacher from a false teacher based on how they conduct themselves, okay? So the opening line of the Didache is something to the effect of the teaching of the 12 apostles to the nations or to the Gentiles. So this is a record of the the 12 apostles' teaching and how they they discipled people to really walk with the Lord in their day. So we're going to look, especially these are excerpts from sections 11, 12, and 13. They are there in your study guide. Um, There's a note there. I I did italicize them so that they're not confused with scripture. Like I said, this is not from the scripture, but this is a Christian uh, book. It was very well known. It is still very well known to this day. Um, It's not infallible, it's not perfect, but it gives us some understanding um, into the ways that the church conducted themselves in the earliest times of church history. So we'll open up. We're looking at section 11 from the Didache, starting with verse 1. Whosoever then comes and teaches you all these things aforesaid. So they'd already talked about good doctrine, right? And they're saying, these are the teachings of Jesus. If you're teaching in alignment with the teachings of Jesus, and it goes on, it says, receive him. But if the teacher himself be perverted and teach another doctrine to destroy these things, do not listen to him. But if his teaching be for the increase of righteousness and knowledge of the Lord, receive him as the Lord." So if the if the teacher that's coming along, in those days there were traveling teachers. Now remember, until about the early 300s AD, there were no church buildings. People did not go to a church building to go to church every Sunday. That's not how it worked. People stayed in their homes. People gathered together in homes with one another to worship the Lord together. And a believer, you know, if I'm a believer and you're a believer, I might come over to your house and we worship God together. And then sometimes it's a big group, sometimes it's a small group, but there were people that were traveling around, people that were staying in the same city but would go over to each other's homes. And then there were also traveling teachers who would come and go from place to place and bring the teaching of the Lord to various cities and regions. So this is identifying if they're teaching accurately, if they're trying to increase your righteousness, righteousness in Christ and righteous behavior and your knowledge of the Lord, your knowledge of Jesus, your knowledge of God, then receive that one as if it was Jesus coming into your house. 
the same way that you would treat Jesus. If Jesus knocked on your door and was looking for hospitality, they're saying, receive him the same way that you would receive the Lord. But if he's teaching some other kind of crazy doctrine, then do not listen to a word he says. And it goes on, verse 3, And concerning the apostles and prophets, act thus according to the ordinance of the gospel. Let every apostle who comes to you be received as the Lord. So that's what we just said. If it's a real apostle, a real messenger of God who has been sent by God, that's what apostle means, one who has been sent. If someone has been sent by God and they come to you, receive them the same way that you would receive Jesus because they are Jesus' representative. Verse 5, but let him not stay more than one day, or if need be, a second as well. But if he stay three days, he is a false prophet. So an apostle should be on the move, you know, like unless they are coming and staying a while and a, a verse later, we'll talk about that. But if they are traveling from one place to another, if God is sending them. Now, remember, in those days, there weren't airplanes. So you couldn't get on a plane one day and be at your destination by the next day. No, it could take days or sometimes even weeks to get from one place to another. Like, for example, the apostle James, right, the son of Zebedee, he went all the way to the region of the world today that we know of as Spain, and there's the way of St. James. James there. So after the dispersion from Jerusalem, James went off and he said, well, God told me to go to the ends of the earth. So there's a place that's called the ends of the earth. And that was in Spain at that time. There's a place that was literally called the end of the earth. So James set his course to go from Jerusalem to the edge of Spain. That didn't happen in a day. So James, along the way, he had to travel. It probably took him several weeks to make his way, whether he was on foot or on a donkey or with a caravan or whatever. I don't know how he went, but he, along the way, he would have to stay in various places and maybe in people's homes along the way. And so if you're, if you're, if you're sent by God, a real apostle is sent by God, they're going from one place to another place. They're not just drifting around looking for a place to crash. Okay, if they stay one day, great, treat them like the Lord. If they stay two days, you know, maybe they, they've had a rough journey, they need an extra day of rest. If they stay two days, continue to treat them as if it's Jesus in your house. But if they stay a third day, eh, he's false. Why? Because he's not really serious about his mission. And he might just be looking to take advantage of your food and sleep on your couch and your hospitality. All right. So this is what it's describing. There's a very high standard for judging an apostle or discerning a real apostle from a false one. We're up to verse six. And when an apostle goes forth, let him accept nothing but bread until he reaches his night's lodging. But if he asks for money, he is a false prophet. Okay, so you need bread to get where you're going, right? There's a place that you're going to stay tonight. You need to eat along the way. No problem with that. But you don't need anything else. If God has you on a mission and you're going from one place to another and you need to get to the place that you're going to stay tonight, all you need is bread. You don't need anything else. And, you know, so he's, they're saying, don't give him anything else. Bread, great. Make sure that he doesn't starve to death on his way. But he doesn't need anything else if he's on a mission from God. And if he asks you for money, he's false. He's a false representative. Nope, 
That's not a real one because anyone who's really relying on God, anyone who's truly sent by God, he's not going to ask for God. You know what he's going to do? He's going to get on his face before the Lord. He's going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and God's going to supply everything that he needs. God's going to move in the hearts of various people to make sure that a real apostle has everything that they need. So if they're asking for money, they're false. Now, I know that that just disqualified many, 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 many ministries that are out there today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm not upset about that. We're up to verse 7. Do not test or examine any prophet who is speaking in a spirit, quote, for every sin shall be forgiven, but this sin shall not be forgiven, end quote. But not everyone who speaks in a spirit is a prophet, except he have the behavior from the Lord. From his behavior, then, a false prophet and a true prophet shall be known. Okay, so people can come and they can say, the Spirit of the Lord revealed to me. I'm speaking by the Spirit of the Lord. And I had a dream. I had a vision. I had, you know, people use all this fancy spiritual language to present whatever it is that they're presenting and make it look like it's important and it's from God. And they'll say, I had, a, I saw an angel and then God told me this and they're saying, they're pretending, they're saying that they're speaking by the Spirit. But this is saying, we've talked about this in other passages, we got to learn to test the Spirit. Not everyone who speaks in a Spirit is speaking by the Holy Spirit, okay? There are lots of spirits out there that people can speak in, and they can speak out of their own soul and their own mind. So not everyone claiming to speak in the Spirit is actually a prophet of God. The way that we know if someone is really of God and a messenger of Jesus Christ is if they behave like Jesus behaved. If they have the behavior of the Lord, then they are genuine. If they do not, then they are false. And no prophet who orders a meal in a spirit shall eat of it. Otherwise, he is a false prophet. Now, I don't really know what that means, and I've looked into that. Nobody really knows exactly what that means, and some of this was written in an old language, and it's been translated, so I'm just going to leave that alone. Verse 10, And every prophet who teaches truth, if he does not do what he teaches, he is a false prophet. Okay, this is a high standard, people. Are you false? You you talk a good game, but do you do what you say? Well, if you don't do what you say, this says right here that you are false. Verse 11, but no prophet who has been tried and is genuine, though he enact a worldly mystery. Now, that's an, an ancient way of saying like a, a miracle, right, or a spiritual phenomenon or something supernatural happening. So he does a miracle or he does something like a prophetic act, right? So a prophet has been tried and he's genuine. It's proven that he's real. And then he does a supernatural thing or, you know, a miracle or something like that. If he not teach others to do what he does himself shall be judged by you. So you're not allowed to judge someone. They do this prophetic act. They do a, a miracle, and he doesn't teach other people how to do it. You don't get to judge him for that, okay? For so also did the prophets of old. 
Verse 12, but whosoever shall say in a spirit, give me money or something else, meaning give me money or give me this or give me that. And they're pretending that they're speaking in a spirit, or they may have even worked themselves up into a prophetic ecstasy or a spiritual state. See, this is the thing. Oftentimes in the West, we think that either either people think there is no supernatural or they think that everything supernatural is God. And both of those are wrong. First of all, there is supernatural. Everyone in the ancient world knew this. You know, it's just that we think that we've gotten so smart in, a, in the world today. We've gotten so much technology. We think we don't need God. We think we don't need the supernatural anymore. So we just don't even think that it exists anymore. But the supernatural is real. God, Jesus, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. However, that being said, it doesn't mean that everything that happens that's supernatural is from Jesus. You know, Satan, he has lots of demonic spirits that are working for him and trying to sow every kind of deception into people's lives so that they fall away from the living God or that they never bear fruit for maturity or that they get themselves into sorcery, witchcraft, divination, all sorts of wrong things. All right. So there are lots of spirits. Someone can be. And this is the thing. Even in an environment in the church today where spiritual things are welcomed, there can be people in the same room worshiping the same God, who some of them are genuine in the Holy Spirit, and others of them are in a wrong spirit. But just because there are wrong spirits doesn't disqualify the fact that the Holy Spirit does still work in supernatural ways. What it does is it forces us to have more discernment. Yes, supernatural things happen, but not everything supernatural that happens is from the Lord. So this is saying someone can be in a spiritual state and they're speaking by a spirit, which they might even say they're, they might think that they're speaking by the spirit of the Lord. But if in that spiritual state they say, give me money or give me this or give me that, you shall not listen to him. But if he tell you to give on behalf of others in want, let none judge him. Okay, so like the example of this is Paul. Paul went around collecting an offering from various churches to give to the believers who were subject to a famine at that time and who were in need. So Paul was not raising money for his own ministry. He was not raising money for himself. He was not saying, give me money so that I can have more comfortable arrangements and don't get myself locked in prison so much. Okay, he was saying, give money. I am transporting it, not just myself, but I've brought other honorable men with me so that you know that we're handling it honestly, but give money so that we can give the money to the poor. So if they're asking, what this is saying is if they're asking money for themselves, they're false. Don't listen to him. Don't do it. Don't give him anything. But if they ask money on behalf of others, then don't judge him. And whatever the Lord tells you to do, go ahead and do that. All right, we're going to keep going with passages from the Didache. We're up to section 12 now, starting with verse 1. Let everyone who comes in the name of the Lord be received. 
But when you have tested him, you shall know him, for you shall have understanding of true and false. All right. So don't just don't don't be naive. Someone can, lots of people can come in the name of the Lord, but you have to test them. You know, Paul said, let an elder, let a deacon, let them first be tested. Let them prove to you by their conduct if they are real or if they are a phony. All right. So verse two, if he comes and if he who comes is a traveler, help him as much as you can. But he shall not remain with you more than two days or if need be three. All right. So that's the same thing that we talked about before. If, if someone is a genuine servant of the Lord, you want to amply supply them, give them everything that they need. Now, I know above, I said, if he's traveling on his way, just give him all he needs is bread, right? But if, a, if the Lord came into your house and was traveling from your city to a distant city far away, you want to make sure that you do not let them leave your, your house empty-handed. Supply them with everything that they need. If they need a cloak, if they need a a sweater, not if they're asking for it, but if you you have eyes in your head, okay? If you see, oh man, their shoes are really worn out, go get them a pair of shoes. If you see that their knapsack has a hole in it, either patch it up for them or get them a new knapsack, okay? They're not going to ask for it if they are genuine servants of the Lord. But if you see that there is a need, you amply supply them with everything that they need to continue on in their mission with the Lord. And that's what we talked about in the prior unit about supplying the needs of the true laborers. Once you've tested them and know that they are true, it, make sure that you supply them all that they need because then you're participating with them. You're partnering with them in the work that they are doing for the Lord. But it says, if he's a traveler and he's going from one place to another, don't let them stay more than three days, or otherwise he's just, you know, getting cozy and mooching off of you. Or your hospitality might even be distracting them from going on to fulfill the mission and the purpose of God. So this is, another, you know, they can stay, they can get some rest, but then they've got to keep moving on their way. But here we go. Verse three, if he wishes to settle among you, so that's like, okay, he comes, he stays, this is his destination. So you were the first place that the, the real servant of God found when they came to your city. And now he says, this is where God has sent me. I'm supposed to settle here. Okay, so if he wishes to settle among you and has a craft, let him work for his bread. So this is like Paul making tents, right? Verse four, but if he has no craft, provide for him according to your understanding, so that no man shall live among you in idleness because he is a Christian. All right, so this takes a little bit more discernment. The apostles in the book of Acts, they knew that it was not right for them to be busy doing things like waiting on tables for the distribution of food because they needed to be doing the work of study of the word and prayer. They needed to be ministering unto the Lord and ministering unto the people. So just because someone doesn't have a craft or a job or a job where they get a paycheck to provide for themselves doesn't mean that they are idle. 
Idleness is not okay. We talked about that in a prior unit. But idleness and not having a job are not the same thing. So it takes discernment. Provide according to your understanding. If you see that someone is a genuine servant of the Lord and they are busy doing the work of God, and so the work of God keeps them so occupied that they do not have time to get a job to work for their own bread, then supply them all that they need in order to continue living for God and serving God. But if you see that they're just sitting around, not doing anything, and that they have given their way over to idleness, which Paul talks in the Thessalonians about how if you're idle, then all of a sudden you're going to become a busybody and a gossip, and you're not doing things that are productive for the kingdom of God, then you you have to have discernment of that also. All right. So then we go on to verse five of this section. It says, but if he will not do so, so if he's unwilling to work and he just wants to sit in idleness and, you know, eat your food and, you know, sit on your couch and watch Netflix. They didn't have that back then. But, you know, if they're just sitting around not working for the Lord, if he will not do so, he is making traffic of Christ. Beware of such. Okay, so what that means is he's using the name of Jesus. He has come in the name of the Lord to present himself as a servant of God, but really he's doing it to get your food and your guest room and comfortable accommodations just because he's lazy and doesn't want to work. Now, there are places that God has sent me in the world where the prosperity gospel is rampant. It is rampant. And I have heard from the people, the precious, precious saints that are there who are the genuine ones of how devastating it is to see how the prosperity gospel has taken over in their nation. And I'm talking about, I'm not going to name the countries, but I'm talking about places where there are literally billboards, like every billboard, and it's every every quarter of a mile, there's a billboard of some prosperity preacher ministry. And it's all like, come and, you know, we've prayed over this oil. And if you buy this oil from us, then you'll be healed or you'll prosper or this type of stuff. I mean, literally billboards going down the highway of prosperity preachers left and right. And what I heard, this was out of the mouth of one precious saint, is talking about some of these false teachers or these false apostles or false—nobody ever tries to pretend like they're a false pastor, okay? Because pastors actually have to work and take care of the flock. There are a lot of people claiming to be a a prophet and an apostle, because that sounds really big and important and powerful. But anyway, so they're claiming to be a a teacher or a prophet or an apostle, um, but they are making a traffic of Christ. They're using the name of Christ. And what this precious saint said is, yeah, they're just too lazy to get a job. So instead, they go out and they present this spiritual revelation, so to speak, that they have, and they're just, they make money off of it, and people fall for it, and people go broke. People give all their money because they think that they're going to get blessed because of what this guy is saying, but really that guy, he's just lazy, and he doesn't want to get a job. So instead, he buys a billboard, and he draws this big following to himself to get people to give him money, and he's using the name of Jesus us to do it. Okay, that is making a traffic, a business of the name of Jesus. And the Didache says, beware, beware of ones like that. And we'll just wrap this up. So we're going to move into section 13. This will pull some of the pieces together. This is section 13 of the Didache. But every true prophet 
who wishes to settle among you. So this is still on the issue of, okay, they've come to your city and they say, this is where the Lord has sent me. I'm supposed to settle in here. So every true prophet who wishes to settle among you is worthy of his food. So this is it. If they're doing the work of God, if they are real, you have tested them, they've proven genuine, and they're doing the work of the Lord, even if they don't have a job or they don't have a trade or they're not working for a job to provide for their own bread, they are worthy of your bread. They are worthy of your food. It, this this is saying, feed them. They're doing the work of the Lord, just like the apostles in the book of Acts devoted themselves to the study of the word and to prayer and to ministering unto the Lord and ministering unto the people. They were worthy of their food. This, this is exactly in alignment with the teachings of Jesus. When Jesus sent out the 12, he said, don't take anything with you, but you're worthy of your wages. That means eat what you're served. What they present food before you, that's your that's your pay. You're worthy of your food. Verse two, likewise, a true teacher is himself worthy, like the workman of his food. So that's they're just clarifying a true prophet, a true teacher. Therefore, thou shalt take the first fruit of the produce of the winepress and of the threshing floor and of the oxen and the sheep and shall give them as the first fruits to the prophets, for they are your high priests. Okay, so this is saying if you've got a real one, if a real prophet and a real teacher has come into your home or your city, then you, it's like tithing, you give the first fruit of what you have to them. You make sure that you are treating them the same way that you would treat it as if you went to the temple of God and brought your offerings to the temple. He, This is even saying they are your high priests. They are the ones who are representing you before the Lord, and they are speaking from the Lord to you. So honor them, supply them everything that they need. Give of your own provision to them, and not just of your own. Give them the first portion and give them the best portion because they are a real and genuine servant of the Most High God. Verse 4, but if you have not a prophet, give to the poor. So that's saying, okay, you still need to be giving generously. And if you don't have a real teacher or a real prophet that God is using in your life to pour into you the blessing of God, the teaching of God, the true teaching of God, then give the first fruits to the poor. That's the same as giving unto the Lord. This was the interpretation from the Didache. Okay, so verse 5. If thou makest bread, sorry, this is the old English. So if you make bread, take the first fruits and give it according to the commandment. Likewise, when thou openest a jar of wine or oil, give the first fruits to the prophets of money and clothes and all your possessions. Take the first fruits as it seems best to you and give according to the commandment. All right, so this is very clear. Money, clothing, wine, oil, that's food, bread, you know, what they need to eat, what they need to live, all of your possessions. Do unto others as you want done unto you. Love your brother. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of your possessions. 
give to them. Not, you know, he's saying the first fruits and a portion of it, but you give an offering of all that you have. When you find a real servant of the Most High God, give to them the way that you would give if Jesus were standing right in front of you.